You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday uh, edition of Locked on Pels. We got some big news. The Pelicans officially announced their G League franchise to be played in Birmingham, Alabama. We'll talk about that, what it means for the team, and a lot of the connections that the Pelicans have with the G League despite not having their own franchise until it starts next year, kind of. We also need to look at some quotes from former NBA commissioner David Stern that are quite critical of Dell Demps. That's Really kind of just a weird thing to say. So we'll look at that. Those quotes, I'll give them to you and tell you why he's right, but also wrong. You can be both. And David Stern, in this case, certainly is. And then I also want to take a look at the Pelicans' defense, where they need to improve still. They are 3-0. and We can nitpick this team, but there are concerns about what they're doing defensively. Some trends now through three games, plus a little bit of preseason, have really started to emerge. And why this is a good thing, because it means the Pelicans really only have room to go up when it comes to these categories. So we'll talk about all of that in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So we knew this was coming, and that is the Pelicans plan to purchase their own NBA G League affiliate, and it's going to be planned in Birmingham, Alabama. The Pelicans announced this today with a press conference in Birmingham. They also sent out a press release. Basically, I'm going to read that to you just a little bit here. So they plan to operate a team in Birmingham starting in the 2022-23 season. They do need to do some renovations to the arena up there. But now with this announcement, the NBA NBA G League expands to a record 28 teams for the 2019-2020 season in an effort to accelerate player development and as well as coaching development, something we'll touch on here too. Um, The team plans to begin play in in, in Erie, Pennsylvania as the Erie Bayhawks, which is a team already there and that was going to be moved uh, when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks. But now the Pelicans basically, I think, are just kind of assuming that before they move to their permanent home at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex, uh, which is going to be called Legacy Arena. The name and identity of the team in Birmingham will be announced at a later date. I told you guys this on yesterday's podcast, and it sounds like they're going to just kind of engage with the Birmingham community to find a name that works, though just keeping it Pelicans would work too. But I think they want to kind of do something that's maybe a little bit more region appropriate. Everyone loved the rebrand to the Pelicans, for the most part, from the Hornets, something that really didn't have a ton of ties to the city. So I think kind of giving it that regional identity definitely is going to be the right move. Uh, some quotes from all of this. I'm so pleased to welcome the New Orleans Pelicans to the NBA G League's growing family, said NBA G League President Malcolm Turner. And President's owner Gail Benson said this is a tremendous day for the Pelicans organization. I'd like to thank the city of Birmingham, Mayor Woodfin, and Tad Snyder of the BJCC for being such fantastic partners in this endeavor. These are exciting times for the region, and we feel so fortunate to be a part of it. So the Pelicans really kind of had this locked down to Shreveport and Pensacola before both kind of fell out of the running, I think due to city council disagreements on what kind of funds would you provide to this team to kind of make this work. And then it sounds like Birmingham 
proactively reached out to New Orleans, to the Pelicans, wanting this kind of situation to develop. Birmingham is just, what, like a four- to six-hour drive, depending on how quickly you're moving away from New Orleans. The key thing here is keeping G League affiliates close to their parent clubs. It minimizes travel time, makes it easier on these guys. Now that the travel time isn't factored into their 45 days with the parent club on these two-way contracts, not as bad, but still, you want it to be close. And Legacy Arena, by the way, undergoing a $123 million renovation and expansion to kind of make this happen. Five current Pelicans players have G League experience. Ian Clark, Chuck Diallo, Tim Frazier, Salmon Hill, Darius Miller. They uh, New Orleans has called up a total of 31 G League players, including 18 over the past three seasons, and they've assigned four players to the NBA G League for development or injury rehabilitation. Additionally, and this was cool and I'd forgotten about this, Dell Demps was also the general manager of the Austin Toros, um, or the, the Austin Spurs, before he was hired by the New Orleans Pelicans. So he has real close ties to this. And then Chris Finch uh, spent time coaching in the G League for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, which I believe is the Houston Rockets one, where you saw him basically kind of test out a lot of the things that they would be building towards there with the Houston Rockets, basically shots from three or at the rim, and that's it. Their shot shots were a thing of legend at the time. Tim Frazier, by the way, in his first season with the G League, won MVP and Rookie of the Year, so he's got close ties to it too. And you can see this is a big thing for the league. They've really been pushing development and bringing guys along. And I think getting your own G League Cup kind of just shows you're playing with the big boys now. You're not one of the three teams, the other two being the Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers, that aren't having or aren't running their own G League team. Deldum said in his press conference, this is also important for the coaching staff. You can bring young up-and-coming coaches through that without having pressure on them, without using one of your precious bench spots on a coach that way too. I think that's kind of a big thing. It gives you an opportunity to be innovative and try new tactics. Again, you can look at what Chris Finch did with the Grand uh, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers and that kind of shot selection. So this is just a good thing overall for New Orleans. By the way, shows the team isn't being cheap they're spending a lot of money to operate and pay people that are going to be there in the g league and these things aren't exactly profitable so i think that shows you this team is willing to spend money certainly if um the the situation is right and i think the nba is now also touting by the way that something like 40 percent of the nba has some sort of g league experience which is pretty big deal though i don't know if those numbers are the most accurate let's see where it is so here we go the nba g league is a proven developer of talent i'd be i think that's iffy but it's press release talk a record 40 percent of nba players to start the 2018 2019 had g league experience while 33 players selected in the 2017 nba draft played in the g league last season basically a lot of second round picks not first round picks but still it is being used. It's not quite where it needs to be. They need to get the salaries up. They need to make it a viable minor league and keep guys here. But they're trying, and the NBA is investing money in this, and so are the parent clubs. So cool for the Pelicans. I'm looking forward to seeing what the name's going to be, if they're going to keep the colors, how they're going to tie it all in together. And it's nice that they've picked kind of a market that's big enough, not not the biggest you could get, but not minuscule necessarily either. Pensacola certainly is going to be a whole lot smaller than Birmingham is. So I think this is a pretty cool thing. Good for the Pelicans and I'm excited to see where this goes.
So before we get to the pretty nuts and wild uh, comments that former NBA commissioner David Stern said about general manager Dell Demps, again, some that's correct, some that's not so correct, and it's just kind of weird that this was a thing. Um, your company could be advertising right here on Locked on Pelicans. Are you looking for a new way to attract customers? Because podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their favorite podcast. And the industry is growing constantly. Our demographic is 98% male with more education and more earnings than other me traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor Locked on Pelicans. Email me. It's lockedonpels at gmail.com. That's lockedonpels at gmail.com. It's weird and kind of unexpected and wild, I don't know, curmudgeonly comments from David Stern. Sports Illustrated did a profile on the former NBA commissioner here, and he just kind of let loose on a number of things. And I loved him as a commissioner. I love what Adam Silver's doing here. I went on with Deke and, not Deke and Bobby, sorry, Christian and Bobby Bear on WWL Radio on Tuesday night before the Pelicans game. And they were saying, or Bobby was saying, I should be commissioner of the NBA. I'm like, I don't want to do that because you've got Adam Silver there and I love what he's bringing to the table and how he thinks about things in a fairly level-headed way, though maybe a couple guys should have been suspended more in that Rondo, Chris Paul, I don't know, kerfluffle or whatever the hell you want to call it. But David Stern's going back to 2011 for that vetoed Chris Paul to the Lakers trade. This is, of course, what turned into then a three-team deal where you get Chris Paul going to the Lakers and then you get... Kevin Martin, Luis Scola, and Lamar Odom, as well as the first-round pick from the Knicks that Houston had coming to the Hornets. And then you have Pau Gasol going from the Lakers to the Rockets. And, you know, it was basically accepted. Uh, Del Dem said this is done. It was more or less kind of announced and leaked. And then... David Stern came in and completely nixed the deal. What he said was, I didn't do a great job of explaining it at the time. There was a trade that Dell Demps wanted us to approve, and I said, heck no. But he told Daryl Morey and then Lakers GM Mitch Kupchak that he had authority to do it. And he didn't. I said, no, we just settled a lockout and you want me to approve a basketball trade. Okay, this is what we've always kind of known. He was the the team was owned by the NBA at the time after former uh, owner Shin basically ran out of money and could not keep operating this franchise. And uh, acting as kind of the the head for the owners and the then ownership for the team, the owner didn't sign off on the trade to the Lakers. And yeah, compared to the deal they made with the Clippers, this was a bad trade. You know, I it was actually the first thing I think I ever really wrote for then Hornets 24-7, which we rebranded a lot, uh, BourbonStreetShots.com, where I said it makes sense because you had a GM in his second year trying to just stay competitive Competitive. You'd made the playoffs the year before. You trade Chris Paul and blow this all up. All of a sudden, your team isn't going to be nearly as competitive. And that's not what you want. You want to retain your job, something Dell Demps now has done for a while. And I think he was just looking to make the playoffs the next year. Maybe then Luis Scola at the time, who was good, Lamar Odom and Kevin Martin could have gotten you there as a re uh, replacement for Chris Paul. I think David West had left at that time, too. I can't remember now. Or was it a year later? I think it was then. So all of that makes a ton of sense you know, for what he was trying to do. But if you're an owner and you know you're going to go through a rebuild, you want younger assets like that. And again, you kind of just want to bottom out. You know, he then went on to say, 
Demps had agreed to trade uh, Paul to the Lakers for Kevin Martin and Luis Scola or something, and I said, we can do better than that. And then the next trade was to the Clippers for Eric Gordon, Al Farouk Aminu, and what we thought was a really great draft pick, the 10th overall pick, it was Minnesota's pick, which turned out to be Austin Rivers. At least those three and some and someone else, it was then center Chris Kamen. But Demps is a lousy general manager. These are the comments. But Demps is a lousy general manager, and none of those players are currently with the team anymore. And he may lose Anthony Davis. So this is pretty dumb. One, why are we rehashing and dragging someone through kind of the flames here and over the coals for something that was near 10 years ago now? 2011. It's been a world of difference since then. So I think that's kind of a ridiculous thing. You know, what Demps was doing was just trying to probably keep his job and ownership said no, but he thought he was empowered to make a trade and it turns out he wasn't. And this was just a whole weird mix up that probably should have been avoided by the team not being owned by the NBA in the first place. You know, Dell Demps probably looks back at that trade and goes, now, yeah, that wasn't a great move. He was his second year as a GM. People screw up. And now he's still screwed up at times, but he tries to kind of fix those mistakes. And clearly this team is 3-0 with Anthony Davis looking like an MVP candidate. And guys that he brought in, Miritich and Randall and Drew Holiday and Alfred Payton, all performing incredibly well around him. I don't know if you want to say he's a lousy GM right now. Has he made mistakes? Certainly. But when your team's 3-0 and and you're looking like a contender in the Western Conference, maybe not to make the finals, but to at least do some damage in the playoffs, I think this is kind of silly. Yes, it was a bad trade at the time, but hindsight's 2020, and he was kind of trying to make do with the situation he had. But certainly, not a great trade. But again, do we need to rehash this eight, nine years later, and then say Andy may lose Anthony Davis, which again is pretty unfounded as we've talked about here on Locked on Pelicans. So this is all just kind of funny to me. Again, he comes off very much as a curmudgeon. I like David Stern. I really liked him as the commissioner. This kind of makes me wonder if he stepped away at the right time when he was just kind of getting fed up with, I don't know, the NBA and all of this. And now, I don't know, he's trying to do something with marijuana and all that too. So who knows what's going on there. But pretty nuts that he kind of just came out and tried to burn general manager Dell Demps because, I don't know, Dell Demps did nothing to him. Demps never came out and said anything into the media being like, screw this guy. You never heard any kind of bad blood between the two. I don't think Dell Demps will say anything thing now because there's no need to just kind of let this pass and whatever but just an odd situation from the former NBA commissioner here all right so before looking at the defense for your New Orleans Pelicans don't forget locked on NBA Monday through Friday five days a week and of course I host every Wednesday alongside John Krause we give it a new set of rotating guests yesterday we had Sam Amick of the athletic one of the smartest guys in the league covering the league there on the podcast to just dive into all sorts of topics where we have a lot of fun talking to him Ben Golliver is also going to be a regular on the podcast as well so make sure you listen and subscribe daily to locked on NBA just get your fix of what's going on around the association. So this Pelicans defense, and we've heard a lot of people kind of make a big deal over the points per game, and I've said, and I've explained it on the radio in a lot of different places recently, why that's not an accurate way to judge this team. So we all know that by now. We don't need to kind of get into all of that. But there have been some issues with this defense that we've seen, and depending on wherever you want to look, you know, they they kind of rank in a different range. But right now, after the game against the Clippers, they are 16th in defensive rating. So middle of the pack, so not nearly as bad. And that's a good place to start. 
start. They're not kind of in the bottom like they have been in years past to start the year. They're kind of in the middle, so there's a lot of room to go up, and I'm going to tell you the areas where they really do need to improve. But first, things are doing well right now, and there's a few things. This Pelicans team is barely turning the ball over, by the way. They have are actually fifth best at that in the league, turning the ball over on only 9.9% of their possessions. That's a very good number, and because of that, it limits the, the points off turnovers that opponents can have. How many games did you see 20-something turnovers last year and like 30 points off turnovers for opponents? That was a big problem. NBA.com slash stats lets you adjust for 100 possessions so we can kind of look at all of this pace adjusted. Opponents score 12.7 points off turnovers against the Pelicans per 100 possessions. Eighth best in the league right there. That's really good. You can't really complain about all of that. Um, they also do an amazing job of limiting opponents' second chance points. We know that. They're just 7.4 now per game. But there's two areas where you'd like to see the Pelicans kind of get this under control. So those are the good things with it. We all know what Holiday's capable of. We saw in spurts in the game the other night that Solomon Hill isn't miserable on that end. So there's potential here for this team to be very good. They're a very good rebounding team. They're a very good offensive rebounding too, uh, team too. But they're fourth best when it comes to defensive rebounding. So that limits those second chance opportunities and everything. Um, and that's really what's keeping this defense afloat. The areas they need to improve are twofold. It's opponent points in the paint. We can start there. And the Pelicans currently rank 25th out of 30th, or out of 30. So they're the sixth worst defense when it comes to giving up 53.7. And that's pace adjusted per 100 possessions. So it's factoring in the fact that they're playing very fast, where you would see them giving up a lot of those possessions. So, you know, kind of. Cracking down, there we go, on the inside is what you want to see from this club. You saw Mircic get burned the past couple of games now after that strong opening night game. Anthony Davis is out of position and biting on fakes a little bit more on the inside than you'd like. That happened against the Clippers too. And guys on the perimeter... Other than Drew Holiday, other than Alfred Payton have been getting burned. Ian Clark has been pretty bad out there defensively at times, too. The wings haven't been particularly strong in that regard. We know each one more is undersized there, too. So that's part of it. They're getting in there, and we've seen this a couple of years ago for the Pelicans when Omer Ochik was just terrible at rim protecting because he was getting blitzed so often. Anthony Davis can do a lot, but he can't do it all just by himself. So that's one of the areas. The other thing, though, is, and this maybe does have something to do with the pace, is opponent fast break points per game. This is usually after a make for the Pelicans. The opponents inbound the ball and then want to try and run. These aren't really factoring in a ton of live ball turnovers because we said the Pelicans aren't really turning the ball over a whole lot. But they're giving up 16.4 fast break points per game, which does factor in some of those numbers from the points off turnovers. But since they're, again, not giving up a lot of it, this is higher than it would be. So 16.4 per 100 possessions that's 22nd worst in the league so that's ninth worst that's not what you want to see that's the area that this team can improve after a make get back no celebrating no doing anything like that and this team can kind of crack down on these opponents but you see teams are trying to inbound the ball look for a quick mismatch and score that way because they know this half court d by the pelicans can be Pretty smothering. And then if they do get it into the half court, they're looking to try and work the ball inside, get Anthony Davis, Mirtich, or Randall out of position, force a rotation. That's always been a problem for this Pelicans club. 
That's what opponents are trying to look to do. The good news is those are things that usually are going to get better as the season goes on. You're going to have better communication. You're going to understand your switches better. You're going to know your rotations better. The help defense is going to be there quicker because they're recognizing it because of the communication and everything else. So I think there's only room to go up for this Pelicans defense, which is currently ranked 16th. It's pretty good, all things considered, when you have a top offense. By the way, the Pelicans offensive rating. Oh, no, I don't have it in front of me. Um, it's somewhere. It's high. It's good. They're an excellent team. Here we go. It still tops in the league with 122.2. Next closest is San Antonio, by the way. Their team we should probably talk about on here. They're 118.2. So the Pelicans per 100 possessions, four points better than San Antonio. Pretty awesome so far. So we're nitpicking things for the Pelicans, but certainly they're in a good spot and only have room to go upward when it comes to the defense. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Someone asked if we can talk about Solomon Hill and his role a little bit more. We'll do that in tomorrow's podcast. I like that idea. We'll preview the game and we'll see if any other topics come up. Maybe Adam Silver does something stupid when it comes to the NBA and the Pelicans. Though I don't think so because he's not a curmudgeonly old guy like David Stern is. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back to tomorrow to preview the game.